Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. Good morning. It's so good to be here, to be a part of what God is doing in this region. Uh, Don and I are excited that God has placed us here at Sozo to be a part of all that he's going to do, not only today and every day, but in the future. I believe God has a great future for not only this work, but also this entire region. It's exciting to be a part of a people that not only love the Lord, but are willing to, out of that love, live for him. Not out of duty and not out of demand, but out of love. And that's what we feel when we come into this place, a people that really not only love God, but love others. And I'm excited about what God's doing. I just, in my spirit, every time I come in this place, I sense the Holy Spirit. And I see and feel and know that there's a people here that are drawing on Him. You know, you can come to church and you can be in church, but when you come, if you just participate in the, in the flesh, in the soulless area, then what's going to happen is you're going to be here, you're going to walk out but, and, and, and maybe have been touched. But when you anticipate and expect God to do something in your life, that's when you begin to receive and sometimes you don't even really know it because you're just so intent on what you're doing as you worship Him. That's one thing I love about this church and about what God is doing is there's a hungry people here of people that are ready to see God not only move, but also want to be a part of that movement. You know, uh, we have had the opportunity to be in a lot of different places, and we've had an opportunity to see people that have been a part of that move of God and to see them uh, receive what God is doing and others just participate in the move. The difference is, is when you're able to not only participate in the move, but also receive something inside of you that sets ablaze. Allie, can't get away from it. Would you stand just a moment? Here's what God showed me when you were standing up here a moment ago. He said, he showed me that you are like a, a, a drill bit, that you have a tenacity and you have a desire to drill into the deeper things of God. Sometimes you hit a rock. Sometimes it discourages you, but very seldom, but you just keep drilling. And God says, what you're doing is you're reaching into a well. Get ready for a gush. Because when that water, when you we're drilling down and you receive, reach into that place that God's got specifically for you, there's going to be an anointing that comes out that will overflow into the people around you. And you won't even know what it is, but it's because you've tapped into what you've been drilling for for a long time. So just be excited because you're almost there. You know, when... When we understand how much God really loves us and what he wants to do in our lives, we forget that sometimes it takes time. Joel said to me as we were talking about this, he said, preach, preach your life message. I don't know what my life message would be really because there's so many things that, that I love about the Lord. But the thing that I'm really looking for is I'm looking to try to understand people who are followers of Jesus People who are followers of the one and only become world changers. Not attenders of church, but followers of Jesus. How many of you know everywhere Jesus went, he changed something? Everywhere he went, he changed something. 
So everywhere you go, if you're a follower of Jesus, you say, well, I've been born again. Well, can I tell you this? Be honest with us, with yourself this morning. You can be born again, but not a necessarily a follower of Jesus. That's not it. I'm not trying to put anybody down because we get sidetracked. See, the issues are when we get sidetracked, we don't really realize what's happening. We are believers. We are followers of Jesus, but we tend to let those things that are coming into our lives distract us. And when they do, we're following with him, but we're not following him because there's no life change. There's nothing happening where we go. Now, if you really look and see what's around you and see the life that God's doing you, sometimes you just get discouraged. How many of you ever get discouraged? Oh my gracious, half the church. Well, the other half are not normal. Because discouragement can come and you never even realize what's happening. So what I want to talk to us about today is I want to talk just a little bit about victory in the waiting. Maybe ever get tired of waiting. How long has COVID been going on? Oh, good Lord, help us, Jesus. You, you, how many of you have ever prayed for something and you didn't see it? Well, don't give up. What I'm going to talk to you about today are how to live victoriously while you're waiting been praying for children, you've been praying for a spouse, you've been praying for something at the work, and it's just not happening. I think this would be more today, my life message, than anything else. Because you pray and you pray and you pray and you seek God and nothing happens. Anybody ever felt that? Two of us. But here's the thing. If we understand, and we're gonna, I'm going to cover three things with you in just a few minutes, but before I do that, I want to share just a little story so you'll know a little bit about me. I told Donna, I've got a story about her, and I've got a story about me, and I said, I'm going to ask God to show me which one to tell. And he said, tell on yourself. So, <laughs> I hear God very well. <laughs> here's, here's the thing. When uh, many, a few years ago, probably six or seven years ago now, I was uh, being the man of the house, and we had a, a leak under our sink, and I had to go under the sink, and I had to fix some pipes and things of that nature, and when I did, I laid on my side, and it hurt. I'd never had anything hurt like that before. Well, it just kept getting worse and worse. And Donna said, go to the doctor. I said, I'm not going to the doctor. I'm trusting God. It'll be okay. I've got to go to church tomorrow. And I don't know if I was preaching that day or not, but whatever. But the thing was, it just got worse and worse. And by the middle of the Sunday afternoon, it was so bad, Donna had to rush me to the hospital. They, they thought I was having a heart attack. But what it was, somehow I had formed a blood clot in the lower part of my lung. And it was killing, I could not lay, I couldn't sit, I couldn't do anything, it was just killing me. Well, that was bad enough. So they put me on some stuff and what have you, but during the running of the blood test, they found out I had prostate cancer. Whoa. Now I've not only got a blood clot, which they told me, that they put me on blood thinner, but they said, no, we can't do anything about the cancer until we get you off the blood thinner. And so the process went on. So I'm praying, I'm saying, God, you know, I'm a man of faith. Can I tell you this? I've, I've seen the miraculous. I've seen God 
remove tumors from people. I've seen eyes opened. I've seen, God's just allowed me to see so many things about him that are so fabulous that you're, you know, you're talking to him. You're saying, God, you, are, you can do this. And he says, yes, I can. And just keeps on. <laughs> you, ever, you ever feel like, you know, you talk to him and he says, yeah, I can do that. That's no problem. No problem. But you never get the answer. Well, 44, 42, 44 treatments later, I'm okay with that. Blood clot, which I've had people run x-rays. They said the lower part of my lung was dead, but it's alive. There's nothing there. Nobody can find it. The prostate cancer's gone. But within that whole process... I wound up having to have two knee surgeries. God, where are you? How many of you know a four-year stretch of things that you know God can heal? He's not doing it the way you wanted him to do it for four years. How many of you know that that's, that's waiting? Well, the good news is the blood clot's gone, cancer's gone, knees work fine. Bad news is, in the middle of that, I wound up in depression. Man of God, seen the miraculous, been a part of it, saw so many things that God was doing, but I could not get on top of the issues. Me and God, we have our best conversations. It seems like these real personal things when we get in the shower. <laughs> because it's kind of like I was thinking this past week. I closed that curtain. Donna's not coming. Nobody's coming. The water's coming down. And I just have a little conversation with God while I'm taking my shower. Now, I pray other times, but that's just kind of a place he and I get together. He said one morning, about four years into this whole process, he said, you're depressed. I said, no, God. <laughs> I, I, I don't get depressed. That's not me. But I got out of the shower, got ready, headed to work. I never will forget where I made the turn. And God reminded me again. He said, you're depressed. I repented of it. And the moment I did, I asked God to not only forgive me, but but to show me, teach me in this whole process, all of a sudden that left and I was a new person. But it took four years to go and four different operations and things that happened in my life. I learned something in that period of time is that God is always doing what only God can do. And see, when we understand that, we, we in the middle of that, what I missed was the goodness of God. It wasn't that he couldn't do it. It wasn't that he wasn't doing it well, like the way I wanted it. But I missed the goodness of God in the midst of all that. Because see, when you understand that we are drawn to God by his goodness. See, if in looking back and seeing what was happening in my life, I could have died. I could have died with cancer. I could have, well, I thought I was going to die with those knee surgeries, but I didn't. But the thing is, in the midst of all that, I began to see 
the great, mighty goodness of God. And when, when prayers are not answered the way we think they ought to be answered, then we have to look for a reason in our minds as opposed to running to the depths of our heart. Let me say that again. We run, typically we run to the recesses of our mind instead of the depths of our heart to be able to know how to deal in those times of difficulty. And see, when we do that, what we're allowing ourselves to do, God's still working, he's still moving and everything's still on on track, but he's not able to do all that he wants to do in our lives because we're holding on to something. We may not know what it is, but we're holding on to something. And it's not hope. Can be different things for different people. I'm not going to go into that, but let God show you about that. In Psalms chapter 55, I want to show you this passage of scripture and I want you to see a couple things out of it. See where it says, cast your burdens on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never, everybody say never. Never. Permit the righteous to be moved. Now that last part, he will never permit the righteous to be moved. What do you think that word moved means? Have you ever thought about it? Because that doesn't sound like what happens to many of us. Now, there are a lot of ways we could interpret this scripture. But number one is when he says, cast your burdens on him, the problem is we cast part of it. Can I tell you the last burden that we have to cast is our mind? Because when this becomes the greatest burden, this becomes what the enemy uses. So when we cast that over on him, the Bible says that he sustains us. He holds us. That's a word that is like a foundation of a house. When we cast our cares over on him, the whole idea is that now, God, my cares belong to you. My burdens are your burdens. And now my expectation is you're going to sustain me in this until my victory comes. I like miracles, but there's a time that we need that sustaining power of God to move in us. Now, that word move doesn't mean that we're not going to have issues, but it means we're not going to be moved off the foundation. That's what I found out. I'm not going to be moved off the foundation. What foundation do I walk in? I walk in the spirit. I walk in the word. I walk in the things of God. And what God is telling me is, and, and some people, uh, I was reading some commentaries on this, and it, it, some people would look at it and think this is almost like David speaking to himself. Can you imagine that? David, Billy, listen to me. Cast your cares. See, I wish I'd have heard that when I was in that four-year period of time and really understood it. So if you're here today and you're having some difficulties, here's my word to you. Cast your cares upon the Lord right now. Now, And when you do, understand that he is going to sustain you. Look at 2 Corinthians 2.14. Thanks be to God, who in Christ, everybody say always. Don't you love it when God says never and always? Oh, He always leads us in what? Triumphal procession, procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere, everywhere. Now, I was thinking about that this morning again and just thinking, okay, God, everywhere I go, people see one of two things. They see me 
when I'm, when I'm having difficulties. They see me or they see me because whatever is in my heart is going to be projected, not just with my mouth. The Bible says, uh, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, but it will be projected not only in what I say, but how I am. Oh, brothers, you, I just really need your prayer. I've been praying for 14 years to this thing to be going away. And I just know in Jesus' name, hallelujah, it's going to go one day. You know, with that kind of person, when they're praying, there's a real good indication that they've been praying for a long time, but they haven't been believing anything. That somewhere along the line, because it didn't happen, the issue did not take away the knowledge, but it took away the expectation. So as a result of that, people find themselves wondering what God you're trying to do. But thanks be to God that in Christ, he always leads us in triumphal procession. If, if we had time, we'd look at that in the scriptures. But what it is, is that of, of a king leading the victorious army back into that place to celebrate. Romans eight twenty eight says this. We know that all things work together. There you go. We know that all things God works to God works for good with those who love him, those whom he has called according to his purpose. I have another translation I usually use. It's kind of a paraphrase that I do. And so when I read it, it's kind of like, ah. Here's what it's, here's what it's really saying. Listen, here's what it's really saying. God is in everything that's going on in my life working to bring about good. The key there is working or works. Oh, my gracious. Just think, if we had time to talk about all that, how many of you know how long it takes to build a house? Working. We're building a house. Look at yourself. That God's still working. See, somehow, sometimes when, when we get saved, we think, okay, God, it's done. I'm going to go to church now. I'm born again. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to be able to do all these different kind of things. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And I'm going to worship God. No, God is still working. You know why? Not so you can become something that you think you ought to be so that we become more like him. How many of you know he didn't, he struggled? Can you imagine walking with Judas for three years? Knowing Jesus, Judas was uncomfortable, not because he was condemned, but because he was loved. I mean, even though love covers a multitude, amen. Come on, let's move on because we got to talk about some more things. When we understand that the number one thing that we have to do in order to live victoriously is to learn to cast everything over on him and realize that I will not be moved off my foundation no matter what happens. How many of you, when I, when I was in the, uh, Marines, we got put on an aircraft carrier. And one night, late at night, they gave me a watch where I had to go out on the flight deck. And they said, there are lights up on the front of the ship. Part of your response, I don't know if this is real or if somebody was pulling my leg, but they said, you have to make sure those lights are on. And so me and my buddy, you know, because you, you wouldn't go out there by yourself, we were walking and we were walking against the wind 
And this ship is doing all this kind of stuff. We're trying our best to get up to see that stupid light. Well, the bad, bad news is I got up there and I, it was out. Here's the, <laughs> I saw the wrong light. How many of you know you can see the wrong thing? <laughs> I told him, I said, the, the light's out. Well, come to find out it was the wrong light. And if the captain had listened to what we said, the ship would have stopped in the middle of the ocean because the running light was out. How many of you know you can see the wrong thing sometimes and think it's the right thing? And you begin to declare but you're not declaring what God has already said in your life. Number two, persistently and consistently pray. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says this, Be joyful always. Pray at all times. Be thankful in all circumstances. This is what God wants from you in your life. Let me ask you something. What would it be like if we prayed without ceasing? I thought about that. I meditated on that. And I was thinking, God, how can I do that? Because I can't spend my whole day praying. I've got work to do because if I don't, I'm going to lose my job and blah, blah, blah. You know, you can got all these things about God. And instead of just sitting down and saying, God, what do you really mean by that? When you're in a difficult strait, in a difficult situation, one of the last things you want to do is quit praying. Everybody says, well, I declare it. I just begin, and there's a part to that. I'm going to cover it in a minute. But praying without ceasing is continuing in your heart of hearts, not only to serve the Lord, but also to bring your petitions before the Lord and just continue. And sometimes, sometimes it's a part of declaring because there's warfare that's going on. Sometimes it's just simply a part of saying, God, I'm reminding myself that today is the day you've made and I may not see what I'm looking for yet, but I remember and I will continue to not only come with a petition, but with thanksgiving for what it is already done that I don't see. See, that's the hard part sometimes, is being able to say, God, I thank you for what I don't see because it's your word, it's a promise, and I know it's mine. And see, if we pray consistently and persistently, it's not that I'm trying to hound God, but what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to say to myself and with myself to come into that place where we have a spirit-to-spirit -spirit connection because see, the Holy Spirit lives in me and my spirit's there and I want to come into connection with that because when the Bible says that when the Holy Spirit is in me, he's communing with God as well. So I'm walking in the middle of my trouble with the one who has the answer, who is the answer. In Colossians chapter four, I want to show you something. Continuous, a continue, here's what it says. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it, with thanksgiving, at the same time, pray also, Paul, now listen to what Paul says. So see, he's saying, not only when you're praying about your own needs, remember somebody else. How many of you, I've been guilty of this, you probably haven't, but I've been guilty of my need gets so big that I'm going to spend more time on my need than it is on your need. I wonder why Paul would put, why God would have us to see that. I think the reason is, is because God wants to remind us that life doesn't stop just because I have a problem. Now that's hard for a lot of people to take because 
you know, I've been there. I understand where you're coming from. But if we can ever grasp this idea that life doesn't stop because I've got a problem because somebody else is going on. Don't you get mad at those people celebrating when you're mad, when you're feeling bad? Oh, God is so good. Hallelujah. Let me tell you the miracle. The last thing I saw God do was this and this. And you're sitting here thinking, God, where am I? Who am I? But I believe with all of my heart, what Paul is trying to get us to say, what God is trying to get us to see here, be watchful. Watch over yourself. Not just looking for the miracle, the anticipation, the expectation of it. Not only just looking for that, but looking and saying, okay, Billy, where are you today? Sometimes we have to do a um, self-analysis. Anybody ever been there? It's good for us to do that. Now, God never expects you to look inwardly to the point that the enemy says, look how bad you are. Here's the thing about God. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes to convince. We use the word convict in the King James, but the word really means to convince us of sin, righteousness. How many times do we need somebody just to come alongside and say, you're doing okay? See, that's what Holy Spirit does in the middle of what we're struggling with. He comes and says, hey, you're doing good. Just keep going, keep standing, stand firm, be what God called you to be, knowing this, that in the end, his purpose is that he wants you to be able to be the winner and the successor. Because Here's the thing. People will celebrate our good things, but they will never celebrate our bad things with us. They may feel sorry for us, but they don't know how to celebrate unless we know how to celebrate. See, when you, I'm not talking about we were, oh, glory to God, I've got cancer, hallelujah. Not talking about that. I'm talking about how we walk through the situations. See, if we can learn to celebrate God in the midst of what's going on, then we can celebrate him in such a fashion that people see not only am I human, but I have a supernatural God that is doing something in my life that's holding me and sustaining me in the midst of what's not looking good. I'm going to throw something on you that's not real happy, okay? There's a story in the Bible about Lazarus. Remember him? Lazarus died. His family was very upset. They said, Jesus, if you had only been here, the key to that, oh, there's so many things in that story, but one, a main key to that story is Lazarus, me, you, no matter what happens, I'm in his hand. And God takes circumstances and situations that nobody else can do anything about, and he speaks, but look what he did. He didn't speak to the family. He spoke to Lazarus. See, that's what God did to me. He spoke to me and said, Billy, come out of that depression. You've been in that thing long enough. And the moment I saw it, God said, Now's the time to change. Sometimes we just have to realize he's calling our name in the midst of what looks like a dead situation and saying, come out of that. In other words, when Lazarus came out, he had a new life. 
See, when we're going through these circumstances and we're persistently and consistently moving forward, we have to realize that what God is doing is, and sometimes it'll be a daily thing. He'll say, come on, wake up, get up, get out of that bed, quit, quit walking in depression. Just come on. And when the enemy, I'm going to show you men how to do it, but in the enemy comes along and says, no, 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 let's stay in bed. No, we listen to the voice of God that says, Lazarus, come forth, Billy, come forth, Larry, Jane, Susie, whoever, come forth to new life. See, that comes when you're consistently and persistently praying. That's what God wants to see because when we're praying without ceasing and we're being watchful, we're being alert to the Holy Spirit. We're alert to what he's saying, alert to what he's doing. And that's one of the things that I've found to be the most blessed thing that can possibly happen. I don't care who you are, how old you are. Listen, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit, sometimes, sometimes he speaks to me in a still, small voice. It's kind of like, what'd you say? And sometimes it's like, get up. He knows me. He knows you. He knows how to talk to us. He knows what we need. He knows what we need to hear in order to find that victory. But he's all about victory. He's not about defeat. He's all about victory. So when I am persistently and I've cast my cares over on him and I am continuing to pray consistently and rejoice in him, when I do that, I'm doing what he's asked me to do in his word and I'm, I'm glorifying him. I'm just becoming watchful. And when the enemy comes and tries to get me to stand in another place doing something else, then I say, no, I'm not doing it. Turn with me. One more passage of scripture I want to share with you. Turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 6. This is about the full armor of God. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about this because uh, you, can, you can read through the scriptures yourself. But I, wanna, I want you to look at verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might or the power of his might, the dunamis of his might. Now, let me ask you something. If I'm standing strong in the Lord, well, let's just read it. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, that is an amazing word. Therefore, long time ago, and you've heard it yourself, I'll just say it again. When you see that word, just ask God what, what it's there for. Because what he's trying to do is he says, all of these things can happen to you. Therefore, in the end, to have the victory in life that you really know you need to have and want to have. Therefore, here's what you do. When he says, this is what you do, he says, put on the whole armor of God. Now, I want to show you something about this armor. I want you to look in verse 14. Let's put verse 14. There you go. Look what he says. Stand therefore having. If you got your Bible open, look and see if that word having is in there. Is that what it says? Oh, isn't that interesting? Look at verse 13. No, no, I'm sorry. Having fastened on the belt of the earth, having, what does it say? Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Look at the next verse. Stand therefore, uh, and I'm sorry, next verse. And as shoes for your feet, having, put on the readiness of the gospel of peace. Next verse. 
in all circumstances, what? Next verse. And next verse. Praying at all times. See, he says, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having put on the girdle of truth, having shod your feet in preparation of the gospel of peace. Those three parts of the armor have to do with salvation. They have to do with the fact that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I already am. So when I'm fighting this fight, see, I'm not an Old Testament person. I'm a kingdom person. And I am born again, blood-bought, going to heaven, committed to the kingdom of God, because when he came into my heart, I became the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I made a choice for my feet to be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace because when Jesus came into my heart, I knew there was a place I had to walk, so I made a choice. When did I make that choice? Not in the middle of my circumstance, but right now so that when my circumstance comes, I know what I'm standing on. Having done that. And see, when you realize that, that uh, having put on the breastplate, having put on the girdle, by the way, that girdle of truth, study that sometime because that's fabulous. Because see, that's what holds it all together. It's the truth of God's word. No matter what the devil says, it's still true. Here's what God wants us to see. Because I am who I am in him, now I can take up that shield of faith. Now I can take that sword of the spirit. Now get this. Take the helmet of salvation. You know why we fight the fight and feel like we're losing all the time? Because we know we're born again. We put on this armor by rote, but study it. Understand, look into it yourself. But here's the thing. Every moment of every day of my life, I am letting the mind of Christ become my mind. Every day. So every day, I have to make a choice. Not about whether I'm saved. Not about whether the truth is truth. Not about whether I'm going to stand on the Word of God because the Word of God's there. I've already made that decision. So when the enemy comes and says, you're, you're not getting your answer, Wait a minute. I have the mind of Christ. I'm letting the mind of Christ be in me. So see, when you begin to see those kind of things happen, you can understand why God says that what I want you to do is I want you to stand strong. But don't stand there alone. Stand with me and let me stand with you. Before we open the altar. I'm going to share one more story. You remember the story of Daniel in the Old Testament? I won't go into the scripture for time's sake, but if you remember the story, Daniel was promoted because of his ability to see dreams and answer, do that kind of thing. But when he, when the people around him saw him elevated to this position. I mean, no, when God elevates you, the enemy says, mm-mm. You say, well, how do I get elevated? That's another story for another day. But here's the thing. What God does is he moves us from levels of faith to levels of faith, levels of glory to levels of glory. But here's what he wants us to see today. That when we do, the enemy says, I'm not, I don't like that. So I've got to attack them differently. That's what was happening 
with Daniel. And there's a verse of scripture in Daniel. Let me see which one it is. Let's put up uh, the scriptures as Daniel 6.10. Look at this verse of scripture. When Daniel learned that the order had been signed, this was that if you don't bow down, if you don't give in to all of these things that the, that the, the Pharaoh wants, when, when Daniel learned that an order had been signed, he went home, look what it says, in an upstairs room of his house, there were windows that faced toward Jerusalem. There, just as he had always done, he knelt down at the open windows and prayed to God three times a day. It was his custom that when the enemy came in, when a problem came in, when anything arose, it was his custom to pray. In faith, believing that God was the answer. Because see, he didn't just go hide himself. He threw open the window. So everybody could see him praying. Don't be afraid of the enemy. Don't be afraid of the problems that are going on. Don't be afraid of the issues that you can't settle right now. Throw open your heart window and consistently go before God and say, God, this is what your word says. So what did Daniel do? He wound up in a lion's den. I love it. God shows up in lion's den. He shows up on the on the the seas that are boisterous. He shows up in a pit. He shows up everywhere you go where there's an issue. God shows up. You know why? Because we're his kids. We're his kids. And he loves us. And he says, I've got plans for you. I've got good things for you. You may be going through a struggle right now, but I've still got good things for you. And he calls us by name just as he did Lazarus. And some of you this morning, God is saying to you, come out. Come out of that depression. Come out of the pain. Come out of the curses. Come out of everything. Come out. And God says, I'll give you new life. Some need salvation today, and that's what God wants to do for some of you. He wants to give you a new life in Him. And what that means is that you give your heart and life to him and he comes and indwells you by spirit. And when he does that, your spirit and the Holy Spirit now make one and you're one with the Father. Some, he just wants to call out of that place like I was, out of that bad place that you just can't seem to get away from. He wants you to come out because he's ready. He's ready. He was waiting on me. He loved me and walked with me up until that time, but he's waiting on me. So I'm gonna ask you today, if you're here and you've never given your heart to Jesus, he's calling you today and he's saying, come. I want you to become part of my family. I want you to give your life to the Father and enjoy the covenant that he and I have made. Will you come? That's the question. Will you come? And see, he can, can you imagine what it would have been like for Lazarus to sit in that tomb? And God said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus looked around. I can't do anything because look how bound I am. I always get this picture of Lazarus. I see God say, because the Bible says they had to loose him. Remember? I just see Lazarus this way. I see him all bound up 
God calls him and I can just see Lazarus perking up. I'm coming. I'm going to get there, God. Just hold on. Wait. Sometimes that's what we have to do. We just have to hop. Just, God, I'm coming. You ever been in that place where you just, you knew that you knew that you knew God had freedom, but you just weren't getting it yet? You know when Lazarus got his freedom? When he hopped out of the tomb. Here. Sozo, listen. Jesus said, you lose him. He didn't say, I'm going to lose him. You know what the work of the church is? Is to take those people who give their lives to Jesus and help them walk. Walk in the freedom that God's given them. That's what I believe Sozo's about. Helping people walk in the freedom God's given them. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come forward. Because the prayer team's coming forward. Y'all come on. As the prayer team's coming forward and getting ready to pray, number one, if you've never given your heart and life to Jesus Christ, today's your day. I just want you to get up out of your seat, come down, talk, talk to someone that's on this prayer team that's prayed up. And listen, I was in pre-service prayer with them today. I've been in there with them before. They're ready. I got, a, I got news for you. These people have been touching God all morning. They're ready. So if you want to agree with them and give your heart and life to Jesus, come talk to any one of them. If you're here and God is saying, come out, he's called you by name because you sense that today. He's telling you, come out. Then today's your day. Get up out of that seat and come out. You don't have to wait till the music starts. You can get up right now. Isn't it funny how we think we have to wait? Till, I can just see Lazarus now. Well, there's no music going, God. I'll come out when the music comes. Come on, get up. Start moving. Let's do that. Let's learn that when we have something, let's be persistent and consistent with it and say, God, I am not stopping until I get this done. So if that's you, come today, would you? Let's stand together. And as we worship, you come and see what God has got for you today because he's moving, moving, moving in this house.